0: all you foodies in this COVID-19 world. Uh, you're listening to On the Menu with Ann and Peter Haig.
1: And today, today a little spice in your life today.
0: Okay, is it spicy? It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what's well, it we mean? start out uh, with Esteban Castillo and I guess you can tell from his name um, that you wouldn't be surprised, his book is called Chicano Eats uh, and uh, you want to have some good spice that also has flavor? Try this book. As we're talking to Esteban Castillo, um, his book is Chicano Eats Recipes from My Mexican American Kitchen. Now, Esteban um, Chicano, I've never been sure if that is a, a legitimate description. Uh, of Mexican-Americans, or is, is there a, an edge of um, um, a, a, a not such a, a, a nice thing to say about somebody?
2: No, it, it is. Yeah, it, it is definitely a description. It's, it's a name that we've adopted. Um, it's sort of short-term for, for Mexican-Americans. Okay. It's not at all derogatory. <laughs> oh, good!
0: Derogatory was yeah, no. the word I was trying to trying to recall. Now,
1: which which part of the global divide are you on right now? You're you're somewhere west.
2: Yeah, I'm in California in the Central Valley. Um, it's oh, it's Central Valley. Okay. Been, yeah. Now, um, it, you were born there. I was born in Southern California, in Orange County. Um, I actually grew up in Santa Ana, and then um, after I moved on to college, um, I lived—I've basically lived all over California. Since
0: yeah, well, they're, they're having their problems now, aren't they? <laughs>
2: the, well,
0: yeah, I mean, of course we all are, but California has really been hit I guess ahead you, of
1: didn't tump, you didn't unpack your bathing suit just yet, huh?
0: Not yet. (laughs) Now, okay, so, I mean, give us the general background. I mean, you were raised on um, your your mother's Mexican-American foods. Or your grandmother? Yeah.
2: Well, the book itself is a reflection of me and my background. uh, growing up, both of my parents were undocumented until I was able to sponsor them for a green card uh, when I turned 21. Um, so oh, during well those done. Years, That's great.
1: So, so good you were able to do that, huh?
2: Yeah. So during those years uh, where they didn't have a green card, I got to travel to Mexico a, a lot of the times often by myself, uh, sometimes with with an uncle or an aunt. Um, but, uh, whenever my parents got the chance, they would send me to Mexico and I would spend just about all of the time with my grandparents. Um, And it was a
0: wonderful time. I mean, you had such great experiences.
2: Yeah. my, My grandparents on my mom's side have always, have always worked with food, uh, to make a living. Uh, my grandpa for the longest time was a sea salt miner. So during the spring he would go, um, out to the beach and he would mine sea salt, and then for the rest of the year, he actually had this little taco uh, cart that he would set up in, like, the town square. Um, and a lot of my memories just revolve around being by their side while while they worked with their hands and, and, and fed others. Um, and like I was saying, the book is a reflection of me weaving in and out of borders and um, – a lot of the recipes uh, reflect that, where it's uh, a lot of the times it won't be just Mexican, but it'll it'll be Mexican dishes with an American flair, or American dishes with a Mexican flair.
0: And I couldn't tell from reading the recipes like um, what you added. I mean, what, what are some uh, signposts to, to figure out what's more American and less Mexican, or vice versa?
2: um like my uh my chicken con chotritas which is my take on chicken and dumplings uh which oh yeah right that uh, one <laughs> what what was that
0: i said that one i remember seeing that one yes
2: yeah so that's
0: that's taking like
2: the chicken stew uh portion of it and then incorporating um the mexican dumpling which is called the chochoyote and it's made out of corn masa um so there's there's a lot of uh simple tweaks in the recipes so that it just it's very seamless and just feels so natural
0: right and well yes um you you uh, really get down to the basics and and demystify a lot of things that would be um that a lot of Americans really get wrong i mean you, you have real clear presentation of the cheeses. People get that so wrong and Chile, is so wrong. Uh, what do you think are the main misconceptions, in Americans?
2: Um, I would say that the I, I feel like the biggest mis—I feel like there's two, and one of them being that Mexican food is nothing but tacos and burritos. Um, <laughs> and then the second, and then the second is that Mexican food is cheap. Um, and that we shouldn't pay more than $10 or, or, you know, uh, more than a few (laughs) bucks for a taco. Um, And the way that I approach food and the way that I shoot my photography um, is very intentional. Um, All of my images are are very colorful and very vibrant, um, and it strays away from that typical... uh, 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 a rustic feeling that that mexican food usually has and like i was saying it's very intentional to make you sort of look at it in a completely different perspective
0: you know i mean i've had major arguments with with um, like americans um, but, but i'm thinking you know, my husband did a stitch in mexico city or outside of mexico city and uh, his fellow workers had their own ideas about um, Mexican food, and mm-hmm. and you know as I do, I mean there's some really sophisticated and expensive um, foods in Mexico City in particular.
2: hmm It's also and... it's also just so diverse. Uh-huh. You well, know, over. when you look at Mexico, uh, you have the cuisine itself is just so regional. Um, growing up, uh, my parents are from the state of Colima, which is along the central Pacific coast, and the way that we enjoy our enchiladas and our sopes and our mole is completely different than how everybody else in, in the rest of Mexico prepares it and eats it. Uh, you know, our enchiladas are made with the sweet mole, so our enchiladas are sweet in, com- in comparison to, um, like, the the more savory and red sauce-based enchiladas, and Chilelas everywhere else. Um, so I, I, yeah, it's just it, it's just so diverse, and it's just a, oh, every
0: single me, uh, area is different from the previous yeah.
2: one. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I remember I remember the first experience of, of Mexican food in the United States, and I learned I learned two things that may or may not really be true, but people told me they were because. Sometimes I would be in Texas and other times I would be in California.
3: Mhm.
1: And and in and in Texas they don't put beans in their chili. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 they, and they make and they make their chili with hunks of meat. Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean it, it and I yeah, feel well, like what, that's, what, that's what just it? true for <laughs> Everywhere else in the – like in, in the U.S. too, when you look at barbecue and the different types of styles of barbecue across the U.S., every, it, it's just so different. And I, f- I feel like people don't often realize that food in general is just – it's going to be regional and it's going uh, uh, it, to be prepared in a way to whatever is accessible to that specific region. Okay,
0: well, we, we have interviewed Diana Kennedy. <laughs> you talk about mm-hmm. this – She's amazing, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm trying to remember the dates of when she went there as a single woman and started getting into people's kitchens. I mean,
2: she's really amazing. Is she still going? Yeah, and I mean, that. In Mexico, that's that's how a lot of people learn how to cook. I mean, looking at my parents, my mom learned how to cook just by by watching my grandma and, and going through the motions because a lot of them don't write the recipes, and that's not something that they're accustomed to. Um, and it's something that my generation is is finally starting to do is to jot down a lot of these recipes because they're they're part of an oral tradition. Yeah.
0: Right. Well, yeah. this is true of a number of cultures. I mean. It- mm-hmm. Asian and European, whatever. I mean, it's it's
1: a generational yeah. thing, I think. So, now, forgive me for asking a really dumb question, but and Anne, Anne's across the other side of the room, and she's got the book. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Esteban, are you actually a chef? I'm
2: not. I'm a home cook.
1: Okay. Well, I'm glad glad I asked the question then, because because the, the the book is going to. Some, some have it easier to follow if, you, if you're if you trying to follow someone who learned how to cook these things at home and you want to cook them the same way.
2: Yeah, and I feel like that makes cooking feel a lot more approachable to someone who's not used to being in the kitchen. Um, when I look at cookbooks made by, by chefs, it can be a little intimidating because they are using so many different techniques. Oh, really? <laughs> that, you, know, you better believe in, 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 the regular person is just not going to uh, know what to do in some of those situations. So I feel like uh, recipes coming from a home cook who's learned how to cook from their parents and grandparents just seems a lot more accessible.
1: But then, what do you do for a living?
2: <laughs> I develop recipes, and I am a food photographer and food stylist. <laughs> okay. So, 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 you're,
1: so you're a food, you're a foodie. You're, you're, yeah, so no, I it live is professional. Food. And
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: With your open-minded approach to all, all these different foods, um, see, I guess what I'm trying to get to is, I'm, I'm, I don't know when or where you've modified some of these. Uh, it, it, let me say, okay, here's this recipe for guava cheesecake bars. Could you explain how you developed
2: those? That's actually <laughs> fairly simple. Um uh, growing up as a kid, we always had um, guava jam, and in in a lot of Latin cultures and and communities, we often have uh, guava jam with cheese and crackers. Okay. So taking that and 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 incorporating it into cheesecake is is actually not that far of a stretch.
0: Huh. Well, give give me an, another one where where you stretched it more.
2: <laughs> um, I think one of them, uh, one of the ones that that stretches it a little bit more would be the mac and gesso fundido, and that's taking mac and cheese where you're already having to make oh, right, a that bechamel one. sauce
3: yeah
2: a bechamel sauce and and incorporating um a queso fondido which is which is uh, like a fondue cheese um you know you're you're already working with the cheese sauce, so why not make it a little more rich and a little more cheesy and add um Crispy mushrooms and and chorizo to it, why not <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: now, um I have another question is um the, you are not alone I mean most of the, the um any kind of um central american um, ethnic whatever the, the the culture is um they always have a section on equipment and they always use these. Um, authentic uh, uh, utensils mocaheite um, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that kind of I mean is this absolutely essential I came back from Mexico with uh, all these things and I mean I I never ended up
2: using them I used the food processor. <laughs> yeah I think it, I mean I, I think you a lot of the times you use these tools for yourself just to just to give your finished dish is a, a bit more of an authentic, I would say, feel to them. Um, but you know, in developing a lot of the recipes for the book, I, you know, I, I, I gave a lot of shortcuts, um, like making stovetop beans that, that are typically made in in a clay pot in Mexico. I, I included um, pressure cooker instructions for them and i think that just that just speaks to our generation now and how um accessibility and how um you know uh it, i don't know it just speaks to the culture to today's culture with with um i don't want to say instant gratification but uh just getting to to point b a lot sooner <laughs>
0: uh-huh. right now what what are some of your favorite out of this? Book.
2: Um, the entire book. <laughs> well, I mean, just a few. Honestly, and then honestly, and then I
0: had another question. Go ahead.
2: I I feel like the um, the book is divided into six chapters. You have the essentials. You have the appetizers. Then you have the tacos and tortas or sandwiches. um Then you have like the main dishes, uh, desserts, and cocktails. And I think. The, the most important chapter in there is probably the essentials, because uh growing up as a kid, um, my parents didn't have a lot of money to work with, and so a lot of the times they ended up making a meal from just rice and beans and a hunk of cheese and tortillas and For me, it's always been really important to really nail down the basics because if you know once you nail down those essential recipes, you're always going to have something to eat,
0: right. Um, and if I mean, I, I imagine that your favorite region is, of course, your own. Um, but if, aside from that, uh, what are some of your favorite regional, um, F, F, I mean, of, the regional dishes or areas? Like, um, you know, like Guadalajara. What, 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 what do you favor?
2: Um, hmm. That's that's a hard one. Um, I mean,
0: I like I Yucatan. Like be, you
2: don't see much of that. Yeah, the Yucatan and then north, uh, northern Mexico, are probably two of my favorite regions. Just for you know, they. I, I didn't grow up with flour tortillas, and northern Mexico just makes, especially in Sonora, just makes the best flour tortillas. And then as well as the Yucatan and how they, it, how they are able to work with a sour orange. So often in a lot of their dishes, it's just yes. really beautiful.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I love the, I love Yucatan. But anyhow, um, I haven't been back for a while, I and mean, it's probably way overgrown now, isn't it? <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: It, I mean, it's, like, become very popular, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, it's been, I remember the last time being there, it was just, there were a lot of, it, it's a very touristy spot.
0: Right, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I, I used to go to these places early on when they weren't very crowded. I, I always think about how funny it must have been having that um, no set up in Shalom. <laughs> Don't you think that would have been funny? Um,
2: <laughs> not for the locals. Um, I feel like it was personally. I feel like it was a little disrespectful because they just didn't really give access to to the locals.
0: Um and yeah, well he,
2: he wasn't be able to afford to go there from the locals. Yeah, I mean I wouldn't have been able to afford it.
0: <laughs> well not only that it was sold out before anybody even had a chance to buy yeah. a ticket. You know, I I always thought it was very strange. Like since I've been there, you know, the idea of having to sit there is just so bizarre to me. So, yeah. um, so uh, the uh, I remember being in, in um, Guatemala. I mean, did you spill over into any in of the other Central American countries at all? I haven't been. Yeah, well, you're probably busy with all your family.
2: <laughs> <Right>? Maybe soon <laughs> in the future.
0: Yeah, well, I know there aren't many places we could go anymore. I mean, that's the other thing. We used to travel uh, internationally probably mm-hmm. two to three times a month, and we haven't been anywhere since Christmas. Yeah. Um. So, what do you want people to take away from this? That people should all be uh, cooking this way. Um. I.
2: I- the main takeaway for uh, for people, I would say, should be to get back in the kitchen and and cook with your family and re- rediscover some of those family recipes and in and, and stories um, that that might be tied to some of their favorite dishes. Um, another takeaway would be to to start looking at Mexican food a, a little different. You know that it's just like I was saying earlier, it's just so diverse and there's just so much to it. Um, that it, it I, I'm really excited to be showcasing some of these different dishes that aren't really part of, of mainstream culture that um, um, some communities might might not have heard of before.
0: Right, and uh, you know, I, I also want to say that the the, the, the people that um, are traveling there now. Um Should be so much more um attuned to fusion of, of different cultures and uh, so that 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 they would be open to uh, not necessarily just authentic I think authentic gets to be pretty stifling
2: um I personally don't really like using the term authentic because it 's just it 's such a subjective term when you exactly. think about what your authentic is uh in comparison to mine, my uh, you know, our our versions of of authentic are gonna be shaped by by our individual experiences and and our environments. Um so they're always gonna be completely different and it's something that I didn't want to really be included in the book. Um because it's just it's gonna be completely different. Um but yeah, I, th- th- that's another thing. Me- Mexican cuisine has been inspired by so many different other cultures. You oh, yeah. look at horchata. Horchata isn't it is widely popular in Mexico and when you think of horchata you almost think of it's synonymous it's with Mexico, but it actually originated in Africa. Mm-hmm. And then you're you finding out or, a
0: lot a lot of the um of what's actually originated in Africa.
4: I mean, I think yeah, it's a whole
2: new, look... go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you look at our sweet bread, a lot of it was was brought over by by the French. Um, we have our bolillos, right, right. which are essentially a, a version of the baguette. And then specifically where my parents are from in Colima, um, that region has such a great influence from the Filipino slaves that were brought over by the Spaniards. You know, they really helped cultivate that land and um yeah, it's just it it it's such a diverse cuisine, and there's just so many faces to it
0: right, well, I mean, you could I, I mean if you think of like um uh, Mrs. Kennedy, and you think about uh, how um we just recently interviewed um Rick Bayless, and I remember uh when he started having people grow the ingredients in that uh, in Illinois, you know, around Chicago, how strange it was. And it's just the world has shrunk. And so you just have given us another piece of it to open up our experiences. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Esteban Castillo, I wish you much success with your book. Again, listeners, it's Chicano Eats and recipes from my Mexican American kitchen. And it's all within your reach. Um, I think they're accessible recipes, and uh, and you, you could get a lot of, of local flavor out of them with the minimum of, of, effort, of effort.
2: Yeah, and, and it's, it's definitely completely approachable and, and perfect for anybody at any skill level. Right. Great. Well, th- well thank Good you. Good
1: for you,
0: your you Esteban Castillo. <laughs>
2: <laughs> thank you, and thanks again for having me. This was a, a really fun chat.
3: Thank you, Tim. Bye bye. Bye. Podcasting services for On the Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station. www.aspstation.net.
0: Back and you're gonna love this next
1: story. I mean, we had a ball. This is one of morning. those. This is one of those. It's gonna be. It's gonna be on the Today Show on, on a Friday. <laughs> Upcoming. Don't 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 be surprised if Tracy and and, and her three Tracy, sons Tracy,
0: Aiden, Luke, and George from Texas, and uh, it's called Three Sons Food, and they tell the story. The food, the food,
1: the food is good, and the story is better. Yeah.
0: Well. We're going to have a lot of fun with this interview because we're talking to a group in in a group effort. Um, We were entranced by the story behind this company, uh, which is called Three Sons Foods, and also um, because we have an affinity for um, their mission, which is to support and save the rhinoceros, which, you know, as a as a family, we do, and we have family that has worked in that business through their whole entire lives. So, guys, let's let's run through who's on the line. Uh, Tracy, you want to start, and, and you don't have to have your age. But how about the other ones? Give me age. <laughs> Thank you
5: so much for having us. Yes, my name is Tracy, and Ann and Peter. Um, from the bottom of our hearts, like we really, really appreciate. Um, We appreciate this opportunity, so thank you. uh, We've been listening to you. I actually listen to you all when I run uh, because I love podcasts and I love all of your content, so thank you so much. That's nice.
0: Thank you. (laughs) Okay, now we're moving on to next in age. Is Aiden? Yes, ma'am. Okay, and you are?
3: Uh, I'm 17 years old.
0: How old? 17. 17. 17, okay. And, and then we have Luke.
2: Hi, I'm Luke, and I am 15 years old.
0: And you twins?
3: Yes, you're twins.
0: <laughs> That's great. Uh, who's going to give us a little of the background story? Who was the one who fell in love with the rhinoceros?
2: Uh, it was me. Uh, I read about them first in a book, and I thought they were just awesome. And then at the back of the book it talked about the issues that were going on with the rhinos.
3: And my birthday was coming up at the time, so I asked my mom this all the money that I get on before my birthday I could donate the rhinos. And she really liked that and supported me. And then we just kept doing that for seven years. And then my mom was making this really good tomato sauce the entire time. And she decided that we that she should start selling it. As we just started, we sort of managed to And okay. after uh, two or three years, here we are. First well, thing.
0: now, uh, we've tried your first product. I mean, just from the name, Three Sons Foods, I'm expecting you'll probably move on. But right now, you've got uh, the Avalo Verde Creamy Cilantro Sauce in different strengths. And, yes, um, ma'am. Yeah, and uh, um, we, we had... We had our first one on salmon, which was wonderful. Oh, yeah. That's
5: nice. Yeah, that's our, one of our family's favorites. Uh, first of all, it's easy to throw together after working all day,
0: mm-hmm. and
5: um, the sauce goes great with, with fish and, you know, any type of meat. But I wanted to uh, just backtrack just a second. We forgot to introduce George. Oh, I thought we talked to George. <laughs> no, oh, okay.
0: Right.
5: <laughs> Hi, George. Hi. Hi,
3: George. I'm George. <laughs>
0: Last I heard, you were going
3: upstairs.
0: (laughs) This is like our Skyping with our grandchildren. (laughs) They're fast movers. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, yes, yes.
5: But, yeah, so we do have uh, the Diablo Verde, mild, medium, and hot. Um, It is a creamy cilantro and sauce, and we absolutely love it we um a portion of those proceeds are donated for rhino conservation so we donate to erc and the irf so the international rhino foundation and the endangered rhino conservation um and so we are actually coming out with a diablo vegan sauce that okay. and those proceeds will be to help wolf conservation uh and we'll be donating to saint francis wolf sanctuary
1: yeah, well i i just sent an email to our to our cousin Joe, Shaw for Josephine Shaw, who lives in South Africa, and when when she's able to be there, I think she, she left on the last plane out with the pandemic chasing her out the door. But she's been working with support of the rhino population. She's in, a doctorate in, in, in uh, what do you, uh, what do
0: you call it? She's a doctorate
1: in zoology, I think.
0: Zoology. She's a doctor in zoology, but her her lifetime um, involvement is with saving rhinos.
1: And she she apparently she she runs two programs, not just one, but two programs. Both both of which wanted to hire her to run their program. So she, being the smiley as she was, she said, "Well, why don't you both employ me <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll run both of your programs?" No, I don't. I don't know if you've. Did you see se- several probably a couple of years ago there was a program on sixty minutes, a segment on sixty minutes about relocating rhinos from where from where they were living and where they were subject to poaching of their ivory to to take them much further away from where the poachers would be and it showed how they how they hit them with dust to tranquilize them and then they put them on airplanes and then they put them on trucks. And eventually, they got to their new happy hunting ground. I don't know if you saw that.
5: Um, I'm not sure. We've we've seen a lot of rhino uh, specials, and and you know, and we always uh, are abreast of you know the current situation with uh, everything that's going on in Africa. I know that there's actually because of our climate and our vegetation, there is actually a push to bring rhinos here, almost as refugees, because of what's going on uh, in Africa. Right, so right. for us we're you know it's such a dire situation uh right. they're critically endangered so I we support any movement to to save them and if that means relocating them um then yes I'm we well,
0: Joe as Joe told us I mean it's it's not an easy mission because I mean, they're not cuddly are they <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 you, 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 it's not you, like know, saving bobcats <laughs> or anything like that. You, you yeah. mentioned where you
1: where, you mentioned where you are. I don't think we have to say, mentioned where it is that you are. Yeah, you're in Texas.
5: Oh, i right? so, so yeah, we're in Katy, Texas, just outside of Houston, Texas. Got it. Okay. Uh, and so we do get a lot of this. Well, why are why are you saving rhinos? I mean, that has nothing to do with us. But we feel like we are a global community. And what affects, you know, one of us affects all of us as a citizen of the world.
3: Now, who
0: came up with the idea for the creamy sauce, the cilantro sauce?
3: Uh, Our mom did. So Uh we love, like, fish tacos and shrimp tacos and all kinds of stuff. And so, you you know, whenever you go to, like, a Mexican restaurant, you have that super good, like, super fresh cilantro sauce, but you can Uh never find it in a store? So we thought, oh, we'll just make our own. And then people were like, oh, we really like this. So then we started just giving it to, like, teachers or friends as gifts. And then people were like, oh, you should really sell this. Like, it'll do good. And we're like, oh, sure. So uh-huh. we kind of just merged the idea of Luke raising money for rhinos and my mom's sauce, and we got this.
1: Well, uh, who was who who, who this speaking just now? Was uh, uh,
3: this is
0: George. No, George.
1: George, George. George. Okay. George, okay, George, George. is the
0: one was going upstairs. <laughs>
1: George is the one with the good voice. Yeah, George, George is. <laughs> George, the, produ- up. the producer likes your voice a lot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so I mean, how's this going? I mean, are people taken with the
4: idea or the product or both?
0: So, we,
5: of course, we have a great story. You know, everybody really appreciates that there's, um, you know, there's a family and we represent uh, animal conservation but it's a really great product. So we really wouldn't be where we are today if the product wasn't amazing. Yeah, it's, it's a terrific, highly by addictive the way. sauce. Thank you. Thank you. It is a highly addictive sauce. It's great. And on top of it, you know, when you buy a jar, a portion of the proceeds are going for rhino conservation. So it's a win-win for everybody. It's a very versatile sauce. And it. Yeah, so I mean, you can use it as a salad dressing. I, I put in my eggs every morning, uh, you know, on pasta, chicken, fish tacos, whatever. We've yeah, got a. It goes really nice if website.
0: you if you're getting really tired of soft boiled eggs for breakfast. You can drizzle some of
5: Peter, is Burks that what you make up. Ann every morning?
1: Right. <laughs> how, how, how big is this going to get? Is it, is it is it just around Katy, Texas, or? Are you, do you have ambitions to sell around the world?
3: No, it's it's all over Texas. It's even in like Kansas. Oh my God! <laughs> so Why? some could say we were we are not in Kansas anymore. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you are in Kansas. Uh,
5: but we are, we in- so are so still in Kansas. Kansas. <laughs> um, okay, so we're in over two hundred and fifty stores in Texas. We um, are in. We're we're right now going national. So we're in Mississippi, Alabama. Colorado and Kansas <laughs> and Kansas
1: and are you in Amazon yet are you on Amazon yet
5: no sir we would love to be <laughs> it's very complicated it's not as
0: easy as it looks
5: oh, <laughs> so sure, um, sure. it's it's on the list of uh,
0: things to do
3: <laughs> okay. yeah
0: no I mean it's it's really a shame that they um had to cancel this the Fancy Food Show because we've covered that for years because that's a springboard yes. for most startups. Um, yes, so, yes. Have, have you ever walked the show? No, ma'am. No, ma'am. It, so it we takes three days this, and you wouldn't believe you do not even cover half of what's there.
5: Yeah, I've heard that it, it can be overwhelming. We were looking into doing some food shows this summer, but with the COVID uh, we really had to, of course, pull back and –
0: Sure, sure. We don't we'll do ever them Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's really yeah. The,
1: the, the interesting thing is a lot of people still sent in sent in their samples, ho- hoping that awards would be granted. So, so as a result, we're inund- inundated with new products. Three three boxes arrived today. Two boxes arrived yesterday. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's always pretty funny.
5: <laughs> what a hard job you have.
0: In fact,
1: that was, well,
5: that was, I don't know. Somebody sent
1: us a four pound octopus. <laughs> was, that was, was fun. There was a really nice box. was a really nice box of six jars of,
3: of the, rhino's
5: did you balls. know it was coming? Oh no, I'm I'm sorry, the octopus. Did you know the octopus was coming?
0: Yes. Well we knew it was gonna come, but I it, it was another thing altogether to thaw it and cut its head off.
3: <laughs> but, well, but no, no um, you but, you know, they're going to still
0: do the they're still going to do the sophies this year. They're they're going to judge. Last I heard from the Specialty Food Association, they said late uh, July, I think it was, is when they're going to awesome. do the judging.
1: And by the way, there's there's no, there's no question that, uh, that your your sauce would go well with an octopus if you had one.
0: <laughs> Good. okay now um it, you just slid into this tracy i mean like um have you had other entrepreneurial ventures, or have you been otherwise involved with specialty food
5: um actually so yes i have i was in real estate i've also worked as a, a choreographer and director um so i think i've always had an entrepreneur spirit my father was an entrepreneur my grandparents were um so i i think like one and um it's just a very natural for me as far as the food industry besides uh being a waitress in college i wasn't actually in the food industry so not only you know were we beginning a business from scratch we were also learning the business together
0: well, that's an experience. That's a good family project. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We we know the
5: words palette and high and tie and all that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Well. So um, do you dream up expansion product lines in your head nowadays, Boisa? Yes, ma'am. So uh, right now we
5: are working on the Diablo Vegan. We've been working on that for over a year but it's very exciting i the recipe we we just uh finalized and now we're just making sure that all the ingredients are uh follow along our lines like we really want something clean no uh-huh. chemicals and no preservatives so we're just making sure that all the ingredients are down pat but um, but yeah and then we've already kind of talked about what would come next after diablo vegan uh-huh. And so, the next product that we bring to market will be for the uh wolf. benefit of marine life well, so after the wolf then we're we're gonna help George's cause
0: his what George
3: um she said my cause
0: so what like, is your Luke cause
3: wanted to save the right um like marine life so like clean oh, up that's the oceans. good. And helping, yeah. like, endangered species in the oceans.
0: Well, there's plenty of those. I've been reading about how they've, they have some new technology where they can go really, really deep and they find all these incredible creatures that nobody ever yeah. knew existed.
1: Well, we, we shouldn't yeah. be talking to George about eating octopuses.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I hadn't heard about that, <laughs> George. <laughs>
1: forget forget that would you eat an octopus
3: George? George I like octopus no like <laughs> you octopus. do okay, okay. Right. Good man. Well, we, so we
5: are meat eaters we just want the animals to be treated you know
0: right to be well
5: meat that's, and not that's to be,
3: basically yeah. it and we want to keep all the different species alive
0: there you go that's a good move so anyhow but it's, it's Amazing how long it takes to develop one of these products, isn't it?
5: It, it Yes, it really is. And, you know, we were up and running and, and moving along with business when we started the vegan. And so when we did the Alva Verde, I didn't have anything else to do but to develop this recipe. And we worked on it together. And the vegan, we have worked on it together. But, you know, not only are we in business together, but we're a family with Football and music lessons, and you know, so it's it's hard to find the time to work on the vegan. So that's part of the the reason why it took us a long time. But then also to we we want the vegan to be as creamy as the verde without the milk. So that was really
0: hard to accomplish. But we chickpeas. have and
5: we are very creative. chickpeas.
0: No, have you try chickpeas? Um, we did not try chickpeas.
5: That would that would have been good. We um we've got some ingredients that I never thought we had used would be used. We actually started off with avocado, mm-hmm. but once you heat up avocado to can it, it makes the sauce
1: bitter. Oh, wow. <clears throat> interesting. It's surprising what you find out, huh?
0: Well, you yes. know what, what do they they call the um the chickpea juice, the stuff that I used to um. Aquafaba, and it whips up. Yeah. You can whip it up like eggs or cre- whipped cream. I did
1: not know what, that. It's what's in the can when you when you buy a can of chickpeas yes. or garbanzo beans. It's the liquid. It's yeah. it's the liquid that's in there. What's yeah. call it called again?
0: Aquafaba. It's Aquafava. vegans love it, you know. So anyhow, well, that's just a, a side note. um
2: Anything <laughs> that
0: that. About the experience, boys, that you'd like to make a note of, we could take you in turn. What about Aiden? We heard from Aiden. Go ahead.
3: Oh, um,
5: speak up. The experience of building a business as a family.
3: Oh,
0: well,
3: yeah, um, well, that's
0: good. Just experience well, a family, huh?
3: Yes, ma'am. I got to know my family a lot better. and. Um, A lot of their, like, uh, good qualities shined when we made the business. Some of their bad, but, (laughs) yes.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask, did you like them better or worse? And you don't
3: have to Uh, answer them. Same.
5: You can be honest. (laughs) They're the same.
3: Worse.
0: (laughs) anybody else want to pitch in there? Luke? What did you
3: discover? Um, It's George. I mean... Oh, okay, George. I mean, as said, we've had to spend a lot of time together, which yeah. is... I mean, most people don't spend that much time with their families, and yeah, so I mean... <laughs> and a lot of... We've also spent a lot of time doing things that other people have never done, like uh-huh. even just like interviews or working in the commercial kitchen for six hours oh you did that too huh? Mm-hmm.
5: yes ma'am so there's actually video of us in the kitchen uh, ABC did an interview of us NBC did an interview of us so um, I mean we made the sauce for two years ourselves in a very small commercial kitchen uh, mm-hmm. in here in old Katie it was behind an old uh, house and it was awesome um, I mean, it was a great experience, but it was a lot of hard work. So, I mean, the boys have learned <laughs> it is hard what work. it takes. Yeah. it. I mean, it's really not easy. You know, um, I mean, we would make batches of 12 jars each. Uh I mean, it was, there was a lot. Like, so the, the most that we could make really in one day was like 250 jars. Oh,
0: wow.
5: Um, yeah. Uh, because there was four of us and it's just, you know, we didn't have the, um, you know, We we didn't have the equipment to make such large batches. But those memories that we made, I mean, no, it wasn't always pretty. I mean, I think we the boys have learned just hard work and, you know, what it takes to to build a business out of nothing. Um, We are 100% self-funded, and we started off with a $3,000 loan, and we paid that back within the first three months of our company. Oh, good
0: for you. Good for you. So,
5: you know, the boys have learned that it does take a lot of sweat equity when you're building a business out of nothing, when you're making uh, some, uh, you know, bringing a product to market, and, and, you know, it's just a lot of sweat equity.
3: It is quite hard.
5: Well, I mean,
0: it is hard, and I think it's beautiful, and I think that you've done a great job, all of you, and you've come up with a really wonderful product, and uh, we're happy to recommend it to anybody. It's really good stuff.
1: And and remember, listeners, listeners, to wear your mask.
0: Wear your mask. Yes, yes sir.
1: <laughs> okay,
0: yes, and yes, let's, yes. let's say the let's say this, the product one more time here. It's Diablo Verde Creamy Cilantro Sauce. The company is Three Sons Foods, which should be easy to remember. And uh, thank it. you guys for coming and telling us about the experience. You're welcome. Thank you
5: so much for having us. It's been a pleasure to speak to y'all, and I'm just like so excited to actually speak to y'all after listening to y'all while I run.
3: (laughs) Podcasting services for On the Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station. www.aspstation.net.
0: So very excited about this interview we're going to be doing with Dawn Sherman, who, um, as I understand it, uh, she is a a natural entrepreneur, and she's also CEO of Native American Natural Foods, Tonka Bar, which uh, we've been devouring, and she'll tell us about that. Uh, Dawn, you're a member of the Lakota, Shawnee, and Delaware tribes. Is that unusual or, or is it normal to have multiple tribes
4: no it, um, in this day and age now it is um, intertribally mixed uh, a lot of the um, native um, peoples are of from different tribes so it is not unusual to have um, people that represent several tribes
0: okay well at any rate um, the Lakota tribe has become very famous for even have a number of very famous members Um, I don't even know where to start. This is such a complex story. Let's start with basically um, what I I mentioned is the the Native American Natural Foods, uh, which is, I'm assuming, an organization, and the Tanka Bar is the product of, of that company.
4: Correct, correct. Native American Natural Foods um, was founded by uh, Carlene Hunter and Mark Tilson, uh, two social entrepreneurs um, doing a lot of grassroots work in their community. Um, and Tonka, what came out of that for the need to address some of our systemic issues that you have on the reservation with um, health, obesity, um, and on that side of it. So that was the the birth of Native American Natural Foods and the brand Tonka. But
0: we're, we're sort of
4: i can't say we're at the beginning i mean the history
0: it goes back a very long history but i mean of this new venture if if we're starting to explain what's happening now uh, i maybe because i'm just attuned to it but i see the issues of indigenous food coming up everywhere um Tell Tell us about it. is that also in bison, which is essential to the story. Give us a little rundown on what we're talking about.
4: Um, with, with the indigenous foods and what you, what you're seeing with, um just to kind of start at the beginning of our story, um we're a um, little over twelve years old, Native American natural foods, and, like I said, was created by two social entrepreneurs. And the Tonka bar was based on a traditional recipe that we still use today, that recipe. And the the need of the bison, because bison or buffalo is very integrated and part of our cultural in Lakota and many tribes in the southern and northern side that you'll see. So when you take an animal that is a life giver um, and we use that uh, for health benefits, uh, food, clothing, um, housing, you know, that was our economy. So the bison was our economy. So part of ours was to bring that back, bring the buffalo back, and create a modernized recipe that people can um, take forward into their lifestyles, whether it's nutritional, health, um, you know, like I said, diabetes, obesity, or just you want a nice, clean, healthy grab-and-go snack. So wasna was the traditional recipe, which in our language means uh, all, literally all mixed up. And some people have heard it as, a, as temikin, um, which is the Cree word. Um, and most Native, And most Native American tribes, have some way of preserving meat that would sustain them that you could store over a long period of time that would be put in food caches. So that's kind of the base of that story in the indigenous food. And um, what's coming up is keeping those recipes because they are the healthy recipes. Um, When you're talking about food trends within the industry and indigenous foods come up, when you go back down to it, Indigenous foods was the beginning of the food movement, um, introducing that to uh, when people came over and started uh, colonizing the United States and bringing uh, the squash and the three sisters, the squash, the corn. Yeah, right,
0: squash, corn, and and what's
4: Mm -hmm, the other one? And then there's a uh, squash, uh, squash beans, and um, corn. Okay. And then there's also a fourth sister a lot of people don't know about, and that's the pollinators. So there's also oh, that's interesting, that, yeah. <laughs> we, we sure
0: need that we're in trouble with the pollinators right now.
4: R- right, right. So when, when this is coming up, um, what we're doing is um, holding our space in that now is um, indigenous foods has always been on trend. It's always been healthy, and it, it's uh, keeping that and creating food sovereignty. So um, on the reservation, for example, there's, there's so much there that needs to be addressed to make sure that we don't be, we're not a food desert anymore. Having access to those healthy foods and our traditions and how we preserve stuff, which is all still used today. So that's the movement that you're seeing is us just taking that back because we've always had that knowledge and it's always been there. And now we're the voice to say, all right, you need to come back to these traditional uh, types because that's what's going to help with the regenerative ag and the sustainable foods and everybody having that food sovereignty or food security that, you know, we're seeing a lot right now during COVID, right, um, the food shortages and the meat shortages and things like that. So yeah, when you bring right. that back and start utilizing that knowledge, you know, that's, that's why you're seeing it within this. um well, in explain that to, to explain this your relationship
0: with uh, Norman Ranch.
4: Uh, with Nyman Ranch, that relationship started about a year ago, a little over a year, um, and it actually re- originated with Marilyn Noble, uh, and she wrote the food article in New Foodie Ecom- Economy, which is now the counter. And through our history uh, with competition, we had declined, and she had brought in, they had brought in the team and read the article, and Nyman has been there before, and they they have walked in our shoes, and they want to give back. They wanted, how can we help? How can we help somebody that has the same mission with helping producers and the rural decay that we see going on? What can we do to help them? So it just started off of that article as initial conversation. And then as we went through the year, we realized we had these um, things that were just molded together. We we want to accomplish the same thing. And um, they believed in our story and who we are and our authenticity, like what can we do to help keep this brand going? So they stepped in so this is um, this is a partnership that's um, a technical advisory uh, partnership, but it even goes further than that, but they're providing operating marketing communication communication to help ensure that we you know have added value for our our mission and the purpose that we're you know driving this business so that's the relationship is to help get us back to our momentum where we want to be. keep this brand going because we have a big mission and a big goal that we want to do. Yeah, and you, you have a lot look- of
0: competition because people saw the, the popularity and the um, uh, the marketability of, of what you're doing. And a lot of people with deeper pockets jumped in as competitors, right? Yes,
4: yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, And that's what um, – we were the creators of the category – and a lot of people are like, meat and fruit bar, What what is that? Where does that go in the grocery store? Um, you know, how does this fit? Because there's always been that uh, in the food where you're putting meat and fruit together, right? Um, mm-hmm. So it was kind of confusing for people at first, but, I mean, it, it made sense. But once the money came in from our competitors, you know, this large category and competition came in and um, because we are social entrepreneurs, we're more um, in it to make a difference to our people, to our community, to our culture, and our and the bison is it wasn't about us growing as fast as we can and flipping this and making tons and tons of money. Although that you know that is the bonus side of it is to stay authentic, stay who we are, and really make drive that impact back to our communities and to to the producers and to the the people. So you know that's always been our big driver. So We do have competition, but we feel we're separate from the competition because we are authentic. We are the Native Americans. This is a traditional recipe. We've been doing it for
3: thousands of years.
4: Are you
1: actually farming the bison?
4: I'm sorry, can you say that again? Are we what with the bison?
1: Are Are you actually farming? Are you managing herds of bison?
4: Um, we, 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 know, the brand itself is not managing the bisons. What we do is we have an ecosystem that supports the producers that are raising the bison.
3: Okay, go ahead. Uh, So we... Now,
0: you're dealing with small producers, producers, small ranchers, not like Ted Turner, right?
4: Correct. What we do is we focus on our native producers uh, raising uh, bison on uh, in Indian countries, so, and we support them directly um through technical assistance and advisory um to raise those buffaloes, so it is the individual
1: okay and what about what about the fruit that goes in there um, the fruit
4: that goes into with the the fruit that goes into it there's a, the percentage of it does come from some Native American cranberry farmers. Um, because of the bulk that we do it, um, we do get most of that. It, it is from the Midwest and in the Wisconsin area, which is, you know, Indian country, too. So that's where our cranberries come from. Now, do mm-hmm. you have
0: different flavors uh, listed. Um, I don't think I'm, I am discern a great deal of difference between the flavors. You have apple, orange peel, slow smoked, original, and spicy pepper. I don't think I have had any spicy pepper.
2: Yep.
4: Yeah, so we have three main flavors, and, and all the product is 100% uh bison That's in there. Um, so the apple orange is a little bit sweeter. Uh, the spicy is spicy, but, you know, for some people, I've noticed in the South, it's not as spicy <laughs> as they'd like it <laughs> to be. And then the, original, <laughs> the original slow smoke is the best. That's our number one seller. That's, you know, that's the big one that um, I love the flavor profile of all of them, but that one is our uh, number one. So those are the flavors, and you can get them um, REI. Um, we're in vitamin cottages. You can go online to to our website at tonkbar.com to purchase them. So we we are an array of co-ops and grocery stores throughout the nation.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, the thing I like about it, I mean, we, we seem to have gone, I don't know if it's because of this COVID thing, or we've gotten a lot of um, preserved snacky things lately and you know with the jerky and things like that and um the one thing i like is you're not yours aren't loaded with sodium i mean most of these are loaded with sodium
4: right right the nice thing is it's a it's a high protein nutrient dense uh product so you're getting that long strain of protein um so it can sustain your energy longer Bison mm-hmm. is very, very healthy, and most people don't realize it has more omega-3s than sockeye salmon and chicken, and, you know, as it goes, so it's number one in that area. It's low in fat, so you're not getting a lot of oh, listen, fat. Listen,
0: I've, fat I've tried working uh, with, there is a, what's it called, the Bison Council or something. I've tried working. These people can't get organized. I don't know what's going on with them, but um, uh, there is an association for um people who who um uh, raised bison you know that's yes, a great yep, big... go ahead
4: oh yeah no there are several associations you got regional and then you got national associations that do that um most of the associations i noticed uh, the regionals do have the smaller producers in but the national ones um, do you have a mix of you know those big ones, the big herds that you have that you you're seeing, like you said, Ted Turner and um, Joe Ricketts and things such as that, And then you have the the regionals um, that do have that. So it just just depending, but there are several different um, support throughout uh, the bison industry because industry, you remember it, it's not large. So, mm-hmm. so you're looking at five to seven hundred thousand animals nationwide compared to what cattle is. So bison is just now starting to get its traction. People are realizing, this is healthy for you, this is good, and I like the bison. So um, the, there's still a lot of room within the, this industry to grow those to grow that a lot larger.
0: Well, it's not like you picked a little small project here. I mean, what you're looking at is not just a, pro- a product or even three flavors of a product. I mean, you're looking at a whole cultural shakeup, which is – and also issues like sustainability, um, of regenerative agriculture. I mean, all of this stuff—it's this is a big time thing.
4: Yes, it is, and that you know that's what we created an ecosystem um, for support in there because we saw the need. Um, one is bison is part of our culture; it's who we are. Um, it, like I said earlier, it was our economy, and we have really big goals and a really big mission. Not only to have value-added product that's made with buffalo and out of the sacred animal for us. Um, yeah, it, it's a that, spirit
0: animal, isn't it, the, the, the
4: buffalo and the bison? Well, his, yes. Yeah, so historically for us, uh, um, it is our sister nation. We were born of the buffalo. Um, it's our creation, part of our creation story. So it um, it is a sacred animal, but... To us, the sacredness is they, they gave us life and they provided us life and sustained us throughout, um, generations, right? So we, we honor them, you know, we honor that animal always. Because we, you'll hear a lot of, um, people like me say it's, you know, that's our relative, that's my sister, that, you know, that is my ancestor. So we're all, so we have a very close connection to the buffalo, um, used in our ceremonies and at our day to day. But when you're talking about the buffalo, and like you said, it's a, it is a big um, project, because when you're talking about bison, a keystone species to this nation, um, and regenerative and bringing back the Great Plains and um, this virgin prairie that has not been plowed and protecting that, the story of the bison goat touches so many things, from the soil to the grass, to the ecology of the animals that they support, uh, like the black-footed ferret, you know they they work off each other. The the birds. So when you start talking about it, the bison touch so many things, and it's just the natural state. When you're raising them properly and you're doing that, you're also accomplishing all of that too by bringing back the lands, bringing back the animals, just because of the way they graze and they behave.
0: And you know, the I don't know how many people really know um about the uh, the, the Smithsonian Museum's, uh, museum on um, uh, Native Americans, right? And they have a cafe. Yep. And that's Sean Sherman, right? No no relationship.
4: Um, no relationship with Sean Sherman. Him and I get that quite often, but we are from the same uh, reservation. Um and him and I, you know, we're in the same industry. Uh, he's more of the chef, and then I'm more on that food side. But him and I do cross on quite a bit of what we do um, in, in the food sovereignty and in that Indian ag movement there. So him and I both. And there should be Tonka bars in the Smithsonian and the cafe also. Well, he's he's opening. Um, I keep trying to get
0: him to come on the show and talk about it. A whole series nationwide of indigenous food labs. Do you know about that? Of the Indigenous food labs,
4: yes. Of labs. What I mean, labs. what are they? Right. That 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 is to um educate and bring uh that food sovereignty and the uh, um healthy foods back. Uh so that that is that support network for the the, the food um movement that you're seeing within Indigenous chefs um mm-hmm. throughout that and um And there so are a number
0: of them.
4: It's more than a handful, right? Right, right. It's not very much. Then you know, now is the time you're seeing this movement really gain traction with what's going on in the world today, and um our voices being heard finally, and not feeling like we're invisible. So, you know, we're grasping that opportunity to get this out because it is healthy food harvesting uh-huh. and regionally and looking at all of that. Sean Sherman. Is a wonderful, one, wonderful example of what he's doing by taking the harvesting and, and our traditional practices and bringing it forward, um, so other people can taste it and see that it, it is wonderful, healthy food. Now, what what is
0: the, the Supreme Court just said that um, one tribe still owns um, what state is it? Huge tracts of land. Uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, right. Yes, um, Oklahoma. What's that going to do? So they still own it, and what does that
4: mean? Um, it's, right now I think they're still trying to figure it out from just, you know, I, I'm reading pretty much what you're seeing there, too, is they're trying to figure out what does that mean for these cities when all of a sudden now they're an Indian country and um, having to abide by federal standards versus state standards because once you become a sovereign nation or you have that um, – Different types of policies come into play, and treaties and stuff such as that. So there, I think they're still working it out. But great, great win in Indian, you know, for us in Indian country, um, to have that recognition and have some land back. And Mount Rushmore's next. Are you sure of a lot and to black, do, Sean? The black, the, black, the black Hills is next. That's you know that. that. You, you've got a whole cotton
0: to deal, to deal with here, actually.
3: <laughs> now, are,
0: are you planning on introducing more and more food products or what's going to happen?
4: Yes, yes. Yeah. So right now, currently, with, um, with what's going on, our forward movement with the partnership with Nyman that we have and several other collaborative partnerships is to regain our momentum we, uh, you know, we're recognized nationwide, you know, we're creating that bridge between the animal and the land through Tonka and the product, the value-added product. So first, it's really to gain this momentum in the short term, and then what you'll see coming up in the next year will be some more innovation um, and some more products and flavors as we move forward uh, with our partners.
0: Well, it's all very exciting, okay. and you must be excited to be working with this, huh?
4: Yes, I'm very, very excited. I'm second generation, um, woman led Native American for this company. Carlene Hunter was the first and the founder. Um, so big shoes to fill as I move forward. Um, but in this industry, um, in the uh, natural food industry, you don't see very many Native women CEOs. So I'm very really excited to, fill, to continue to fill those shoes and, you know, Get this, uh, get us back so we can make that impact back into our community um, and take it to the next level in Indian Country. So, I'm really, really excited. Well, I'm excited for you, and I'm glad you had
0: the time to talk to us about it. You sound like you don't have two minutes to call you around <laughs> With all this going
4: on. <laughs> no, I appreciate. No, I appreciate everything. You know, I appreciate the opportunity to speak about Tonka and. Um, every partnership and every time we get this out, it does break the isolation down um, of the reservation and our community and, uh, you know, helps us just one step closer to do, uh, completing our mission.
0: Well, I mean, it, it, it works because I mean I'm, I've been so sensitized to it ever since I got the Sean's book, chef. You know, <laughs> and <laughs> is there any time there's anything's in the news about it, I mean, my attention goes immediately there. So your strategy is indeed working. Um, keep yes. us posted as to what's going on next, and as you grow, keep us in mind, please, because we'd love to hear about it
4: absolutely absolutely and um you know just uh and people can support us in many ways you know the one obviously is to buy our products so uh you know again like yeah I said, and
0: bar. and let's give that products. website again let's give the website or how they could buy your product the tonka the
4: bar uh, they can go directly to TonkaBar.com, and there's uh, quite a bit of uh, information there and then that will take them directly to the shopping cart um okay it, where they can go right
0: it's crammed with information listeners i've been, I've been boring through it it's yep. tons of information
4: yep. so yes. and, yep. and lots of outside, history yep exactly and in in this ecosystem they'll they'll see some of the other stuff that we're doing with the buffalo um, and you know other ways that they can uh support the actual system that I'm talking about um, through our nonprofit, which is TonkaFund.org, And um, there's other ways, you know, you can support us in many ways to help, you know, succeed and uh, bring everything back to the community and help the land thrive and the people. That's wonderful.
0: Thank you, Dawn Sherman. You're a winner, I'll tell you. Thank <laughs> and you. you have a lot on your plate. Yes. Yes. Thank you. So here we are again, and if you've been really perking up and listening to what's going on in the food trend sphere, uh, you may have noticed that there's been a major effort, uh, for Native Americans to reclaim, uh, their, the native foods, uh, 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 which we probably don't know that much about.
1: Um, but you and I will, when you're done with yeah, do we're going to be
0: talking to Don Sherman, and um she came up with a, a brilliant snack, which she calls the tanker bar. And If you saw Dancing with Rules, you know what tanka means. It's a buffalo. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, is that right? I, I didn't know <laughs> right. yeah. So anyhow, well, so, well Miss, it's a very Miss, interesting Miss, story. We heard lots more about uh, um, Native American cuisine as, as we investigate these different types of cuisines that we have access to. Listen to Dawn Sherman. I'm so very excited about this interview we're going to be doing with Dawn Sherman, who, um, as I understand it, uh, she is a a natural entrepreneur, and she's also CEO of Native American Natural Foods, Tonka Bar, which uh, we've been devouring, and she'll tell us about that. Uh, Don, you're a member of the Lakota, Shaw- Shawnee, and Delaware tribes. Is that unusual or, or is it normal to have multiple tribes?
4: No. It, it, um, in this day and age now, it is um, intertribally mixed. Uh, a lot of the um, Native um, peoples are of from different tribes. So it is <laughs> not unusual to have um, people that represent several tribes.
0: Okay, well, At any rate, um, the Lakota tribe has become very famous for a number of very famous members. Um, I don't even know where to start. This is such a complex story. Let's start with basically um, what I I mentioned is the the Native American natural foods, uh, which is, I'm assuming, an organization, and the Tonka Bar is the product of of that company?
4: Correct, correct. Native American Natural Foods um, was founded by uh, Carlene Hunter and Mark Tilson, two social entrepreneurs um, doing a lot of grassroots work in their community. Um, And Tonka, what came out of that for the need to address some of our systemic issues that you have on the reservation with um, health, obesity, um, and on that side of it. So that was the, the birth of Native American natural foods and the brand Tonka. But
0: we're we're sort of,
4: it's, I can't say we're at the beginning. I mean,
0: the history, it goes back right. it's a very long history. But I mean, of this new venture, if, if we're starting to explain what's happening now, uh, I maybe because I'm just attuned to it, but I see the issues of indigenous food coming up everywhere. Um, tell, tell us about it. Is that also in bison, which is essential to this story? Give us a little rundown of what we're talking about.
4: Um, with with indigenous foods and what, you, what you're seeing with, um, just to kind of start at the beginning of our story, um, we're a uh, little over 12 years old, Native American Natural Foods, and like I said, was created by two social entrepreneurs. And the Tonga Bar was based on a traditional recipe that we still use today, that recipe, and the the need of the bison, because bison or buffalo is very integrated and part of our cultural in Lakota and many tribes in the southern and northern side that you'll see. So when you take an animal that is a life giver um, and we use that uh, for health benefits, uh, food, clothing, um, housing, you know, that was our economy. So the bison was our economy. So part of ours was to bring that back, bring the buffalo back and create a modernized recipe that people can um, take forward into their lifestyles, whether it's nutritional, health, um, you know, like I said, diabetes, obesity, or just you want a nice, clean, healthy grab-and-go snack. So wasna was the traditional recipe, which in our language means uh, literally all mixed up. And some people have heard it as, a, as temmican, um, which is the Cree word. Um, and most native and most Native American tribes have some way of preserving meat that would sustain them that you could store over a long period of time that would be put in food caches. So that's kind of the base of that story in the indigenous food. And um, what's coming up is keeping those recipes because they are the healthy recipes. Um, when you're talking about food trends within the industry and indigenous foods come up, when you go back down to it, Indigenous foods was the beginning of the food movement, um, introducing that to uh, when people came over and started uh, colonizing the United States and bringing uh, the squash and the three sisters, the squash, the corn. Yeah, right, squash, corn, and what's the other one? And then there's a squash, beans, and um, corn. Okay. And then there's also a fourth sister a lot of people don't know about, and that's the pollinators. So there's also Oh, that's interesting. In there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we sure need
0: to, we're in trouble with the pollinators right now.
4: R- right, right. So when when this is coming up, um what we're doing is um holding our space in that now is um indigenous foods has always been on trend. It's always been healthy and it, it's uh, keeping that and creating food sovereignty. So um on the reservation, for example, there's, there's so much there that needs to be addressed to make sure that we don't be, we're not a food desert anymore. Having access to those healthy foods and our traditions and how we preserve stuff, which is all still used today. So that's the movement that you're seeing is us just taking that back because we've always had that knowledge and it's always been there. And now we're the voice to say, all right, you need to come back to these traditional uh, types because that's what's gonna help with the regenerative ag and the sustainable foods and everybody having that food sovereignty or food security that, you know, we're seeing a lot right now during COVID, right? Um the food shortages and the meat shortages and things like that. So yeah, you bring right. that back and start uni- utilizing that knowledge, you know, that's that's why you're seeing it within this um well, in explain that to,
0: to explain this your relationship with uh Norman
4: Ranch. Uh, with Nyman Ranch, that relationship started about a year ago, a little over a year, um, and it actually re- originated with Marilyn Noble, uh, and she wrote the food article in New Foodie Ecom- Economy, which is now the counter. And through our history uh, with competition, we had declined, and she had brought in, they had brought in the team and read the article, and Nyman has been there before, and they they have walked in our shoes, and they want to give back. They wanted, how can we help? How can we help somebody that has the same mission with helping producers and the rural decay that we see going on? What can we do to help them? So it just started off of that article as initial conversation. And then as we went through the year, we realized we had these um, things that were just molded together. We, we want to accomplish the same thing. And um, they believed in our story and who we are and our authenticity, like what can we do to help keep this brand going? So they stepped in. So this is um, this is a partnership that's um, a technical advisory uh, partnership, but it even goes further than that. But they're providing operating, marketing, communication, communication to help ensure that we you know have added value for our our mission and the purpose that we're you know driving this business. So that's the relationship is to help get us back to our momentum where we want to be. keep this brand going because we have a big mission and a big goal that we want to do. Yeah, and you, you have <laughs> a lot of
0: competition because people saw the, the popularity and the um, uh, the marketability of, of what you're doing. And a lot of people with deeper pockets jumped in as competitors, right? Yes,
4: yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, And that's what um, – we were the creators of the category – and a lot of people are like, meat and fruit bar, What what is that? Where does that go in the grocery store? Um, you know, how does this fit? Because there's always been that uh, in the food where you're putting meat and fruit together, right? Um, mm-hmm. So it was kind of confusing for people at first, but, I mean, it, it made sense. But once the money came in from our competitors, you know, this large category and competition came in and, um, because we are social entrepreneurs, we're more're um, in it to make a difference to our people, to our community, to our culture and our and the bison is it wasn't about us growing as fast as we can and flipping this and making tons and tons of money, although that you know that is the bonus side of it, is to stay authentic, stay who we are, and really make drive that impact back to our communities and to to the producers and to the the people. So you know that's always been our big driver. so, we do have competition, but we feel we, we're separate from the competition because we are authentic. We are the Native Americans. We, this is a traditional recipe. We've been are,
3: learning it for thousands a, of years.
1: Are you actually farming the bison?
4: I'm sorry, can you say that again? Are we what with the bison? Are
1: you Are you actually farming, are you managing herds of bison?
4: Um, we, 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 the brand itself is not managing the bisons. What we do is we have an ecosystem that supports the producers that are raising the bison.
2: Okay, go ahead.
4: Uh, Now, you're dealing with small producers,
0: producers. small ranchers, not like Ted Turner, right?
4: Correct. What we do is we focus on our native producers uh, raising uh, bison on uh, in Indian countries, so and we support them directly um, through technical assistance and advisory um to raise those buffaloes, so it is the individual okay
1: and what about what about the fruit that goes in there um, the fruit that
4: goes into with the the fruit that goes into it there's a, the percentage of it does come from some Native American cranberry farmers. Um, because of the bulk that we do it, um, we do get most of that. It, it is from the Midwest and in the Wisconsin area, which is, you know, Indian country, too. So that's where our cranberries come from.
0: Now, you have different flavors uh, listed. Um, I don't think I'm, I am discern a great deal of difference between the flavors. You have apple, orange peel, slow smoked, original, and spicy pepper. I don't think I have had any spicy pepper.
4: Yep. yeah so we have three main flavors and and all the product is hundred percent uh bison that's in there um so the apple orange is a little bit sweeter uh the spicy is spicy but you know for some people I've noticed in the south it's not as spicy <laughs> as they'd like it to be and then the original, <laughs> the original slow smoke is the best that's our number one seller that's you know that's the big one that um, I love the flavor profile of all of them but that one is our uh, number one. So those are the flavors, and you can get them um REI. Um, we're in vitamin cottages. You can go online to to our website at tonkbar.com to purchase them. So we, we are an array of co-ops and grocery stores throughout the nation.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, the thing I like about them, I mean, we we seem to have gone, I don't know if it's because of this COVID thing, we've gotten a lot of um preserved snacky things lately and you know with the jerky and things like that and um the one thing i like is you're not yours aren't loaded with sodium i mean most of these are loaded with sodium
4: right right the nice thing is it's a it's a high protein nutrient dense uh, product so you're getting that long strain of protein um, so it can sustain your energy longer Bison Mm -hmm. is very, very healthy, and most people don't realize it has more omega-3s than sockeye salmon and chicken, and, you know, as it goes, so it's number one in that area. It's low in fat, so you're not getting a lot of fat. Listen,
0: I've I've tried working uh, with – there is a – what's it called? The Bison Council or something. I've tried working. These people can't get organized. I don't know what's going on with them, but um, uh, there is an association for – people who, who um uh, raised bison you know that's yes, a great yep, big... go ahead
4: oh yeah no there are several associations you got regional and then you got national associations that do that um most of the associations i noticed uh, the regionals do have the smaller producers in but the national ones um, do you have a mix of, you know, those big ones, the big herds that you have that you'll, you're seeing, like you said, Ted Turner and um, Joe Ricketts and things such as that, and then you have the, the regionals um, that do have that. So just just depending, but there are several different um, support throughout uh, the bison industry because industry, you remember it, it's not large. So, mm-hmm. so you're looking at five to 700,000 animals nationwide compared to what cattle is. So bison is just now starting to get its traction. People are realizing, this is healthy for you, this is good, and I like the bison. So um, the, there's still a lot of room within the, this industry to grow those to grow that a lot larger. Well, it's not like you
0: picked a little small project here. I mean, what you're looking at is not just a, pro- a product or even three flavors of a product. I mean, you're looking at a whole cultural shakeup, which is – and also issues like sustainability, um, of regenerative agriculture. I mean, all of this stuff—it's this is a big time thing.
4: Yes, it is, and that you know that's what we created an ecosystem um, for support in there because we saw the need. Um, one is bison is part of our culture; it's who we are. Um, it, like I said earlier, it was our economy, and we have. Really big goals and a really big mission not only to have value-added product that's made with buffalo and out of the sacred animal for us um, yeah, it's, no, it's a that. spirit
0: animal isn't it but the, the
4: Buffalo is bison well his, yes yeah, so historically for us uh, um, It is our sister nation. We were born of the buffalo um, It's our creation part of our creation story. So it um, it is a sacred animal, but to us the sacredness is they, they gave us life and they provided us life and sustained us throughout um, generations, right? So we, we honor them, you know, we honor that animal always because we, you'll hear a lot of um, people like me say it's, you know, that's our relative. That's my sister that, you know, that is my ancestor. So we're all, so we have a very close connection to the Buffalo um, used in our ceremonies and at our day to day. But when you're talking about the Buffalo, and like you said, it's a, it is a big um, project, because when you're talking about bison, a keystone species to this nation, um, and regenerative and bringing back the Great Plains and um, this virgin prairie that has not been plowed and protecting that, the story of the bison goat touches so many things from the soil to the grass, to the ecology of the animals that they support, uh, like the black-footed ferret, you know, they, they work off each other, the, the birds. So when you, you start talking about it, the bison touch so many things, and it's just the natural state. When you're raising them properly and you're doing that, you're also accomplishing all of that, too, by bringing back the lands, bringing back the animals, just because of the way they graze and they behave.
0: You know, the, I don't know how many people really know um, about the um, – the, the Smithsonian Museum's, uh, Museum on um, Native Americans, right? And they have a cafe? Yep. And that's Sean Sherman, right? No no relationship.
4: Um, no relationship with Sean Sherman. Him and I get that quite often, but we are from the same uh, reservation, Um and him and I, you know, we're in the same industry. Uh, he's more of the chef, and then I'm more on that food side. But him and I do cross on quite a bit of what we do um, in, in the food sovereignty and in that Indian ag movement there. So him and I both. And there should be talk bars in the Smithsonian and the cafe also. Well, he's he's opening. Um, I keep trying to get him to come
0: on the show and talk about it. A whole series nationwide of indigenous food labs. Do you know about that?
4: Of the indigenous food labs, yes. Of labs. What I mean, labs. what are they? Right. That 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 is to um educate and bring uh, that food sovereignty and the uh, um healthy foods back. Uh so that that is that support network for the the, the food um movement that you're seeing within Indigenous chefs um mm-hmm. throughout that. And um And there so are a
0: number of them. Forward. I mean
4: the, 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 it's more than a handful right 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 it's not very much you know now is the time you're seeing this movement really gain traction with what's going on in the world today and um our voices being heard finally and not feeling like we're invisible so you know we're grasping that opportunity to get this out because it is healthy food harvesting uh-huh. and regionally and looking at all of that Sean Sherman is a wonderful one, wonderful example of what he's doing by taking the harvesting and, and our traditional practices and bringing it forward um so other people can taste it and see that it, it is wonderful healthy food. Now what
0: what is the the Supreme Court just said that um one tribe still owns um what state is it a huge tracts of land uh Oklahoma Oklahoma, right. Yes, um, Oklahoma. What's that gonna do? So they still own it and what does that mean?
4: Um it right now I think they're still trying to figure it out from just you know, I I'm reading pretty much what you're seeing there too, is they're trying to figure out what does that mean for these cities when all of a sudden now they're an Indian country and um, having to abide by federal standards versus state standards because once you become a sovereign nation or you have that um, Different types of policies come into play, and treaties and stuff such as that. So there, I think they're still working it out. But great, great win in Indian, you know, for us in Indian country um, to have that recognition and have some land back. And Mount Rushmore's next. Are you sure of a lot and to do, Sean? The black, Hills. <laughs> the, black, the black Hills is next. That's you know that. that that's next. <laughs> You, you've got a whole
0: cotton to deal with here, actually.
3: <laughs> now, are,
0: are you planning on introducing more and more food products, or what's going to happen?
4: Yes, yes. Yeah. So right now, currently, with, um, with what's going on, our forward movement with the partnership with Nyman that we have and several other collaborative partnerships is to regain our momentum we, uh, you know, we're recognized nationwide, you know, we're creating that bridge between the animal and the land through Tonka and the product, the value-added product. So first, it's really to gain this momentum in the short term, and then what you'll see coming up in the next year will be some more innovation um, and some more products and flavors as we move forward uh, with our partners.
0: Well, it's all very exciting, okay. and you must be excited to be working with this, huh?
4: Yes, I'm very, very excited. I'm second generation, um, woman led Native American for this company. Carlene Hunter was the first and the founder. Um, so big shoes to fill as I move forward. Um, but in this industry, um, in the uh, natural food industry, you don't see very many Native women CEOs. So I'm really excited to fill, to continue to fill those shoes and, you know, Get, this, uh, get us back so we can make that impact back into our community um, and take it to the next level in Indian country. So I'm really, really excited. Well, I'm
0: excited for you, and I'm glad you had the time to talk to us about it. You sound like you don't have two minutes to call you around <laughs> with all
4: this going <laughs> on. No, no, I appreciate everything. You know, I appreciate the opportunity to speak about Tonka and um, every partnership and every time we get this out, it does break the isolation down um, of the reservation and our community and uh, you know, helps us just one step closer to do, uh, completing our mission.
0: Well, I mean, it, it, it works because I mean I'm, I've been so sensitized to it, ever since I got the Sean's book, chef. you know, <laughs> and is there any time there's anything's in the news about it, I mean, my attention goes immediately there. So your strategy is indeed working. Um, keep yes. us posted as to what's going on next, and as you grow, keep us in mind, please, because we'd love to hear about it.
4: Absolutely, absolutely, and, um, you know, just, uh, and people can support us in many ways. You know, the one, obviously, is to buy our products, you know, again, like I said. Yeah, and let's give
0: that website again. Let's give the website or how they can buy your product, the
4: Tonka Bar. They can go directly to tonkabar.com, and there's uh, quite a bit of uh, information there, and then that will take them directly to the shopping cart. Um, Okay. Okay. Where they can go. Right, it's, it's crammed
0: with information, listeners. I've, I've been pouring I've through it; it's yep. tons of information.
4: Yep. So, yes, and, uh, yep. and lots of history. Of, yep, exactly. And in in this ecosystem, they'll they'll see some of the other stuff that we're doing with the buffalo, um, and you know, other ways that they can uh, support the actual. System that I'm talking about um, through our nonprofit, which is TonkaFund.org. And um, there's other ways, you know, you can support us in many ways to help, you know, succeed and uh, bring everything back to the community and help the lambs thrive and the people. That's wonderful.
0: Thank you, Don Sherman. You're a winner, I'll tell you. Thank and you have a lot on your plate. There
1: you go. A little, little bit about saving the rhinos. A little bit about... Uh, Reviving the Native American culture and the food. And starting up today's program with a good dose of Chicano Eats. Yes. So we hope you enjoyed today's program, and we'll see you again, same time, same place, next week. And until then...
5: Bye-bye.